Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Check this out. This is the Rich Eisen Show. I got something to say. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Golden State trying to acquire LeBron James, and how far did this go? It didn't go far at all. I actually heard about it when everybody else heard about it. The Rich Eisen Show. I don't know if we watch basketball tonight. The East wins it 2-11 to 186. Today's guests, senior writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. Steelers Radio Network host, Jerry Dulac, host of NBC's Dealer No Deal Island, Joe Manganiello. And now, it's Rich Eisen. That is right. Hey, everybody. Welcome hey. back. <laughs> hey. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. I am Rich Eisen, Woo. and I'm going to keep it together today. <laughs> Here over the next three hours of this Man, program. I, I forgot you worked here. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, I want to thank Suze for uh, being here. When uh, when they say for better or worse, I had no idea those vows would say, you got to fill in for me when I'm puking into a... Uh, While Dan Orlovsky's giving takes. In a, uh, a bucket behind my set here. That actually happened last Tuesday. Oh, yeah. This just in. And I'm back. Uh, and then Suze did Wednesday's show, and thanks to Andrew Siciliano for doing Thursday and Friday. Um, I'm feeling good, feeling kind of groovy. I'm back. You got color back in your oh, face, which it's is the great. makeup. Which is phenomenal. I can feel it. You Thank were, you. Uh, I'm back. You were Casper White last uh, Tuesday. Let me tell you something. It's all good. <laughs> so I want to thank uh, Suze, obviously, uh, for for her outstanding <laughs> being there for me and uh, for all of you. And I appreciate uh, everybody who tweeted me for well wishes. And by that, I mean everybody who uh, who uh, who wasn't paying attention. So I want to thank everybody out there for uh, being here today. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial here on the program. We've got a fun three-hour show in store for you. Chris Mannix is here. Mannix. Um, and he uh, showed up today on this very rainy day here in Los Angeles. we got not one but two in-studio guests. And when they show up for you on a rainy day in Los Angeles, that means they're besties. Uh, Joe Manganiello will be here uh, in hour number three. Uh, he is the host of Deal or No Deal Island. Nice. And um, so it'll be a great conversation with him in hour number three because he, he's he got a lot on his mind from his Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Jerry Dulac, who's been covering the team uh, for many a year, will be in studio. Uh, not in studio. He'll be on the show in hour number two uh, to help set up that conversation because I saw over the weekend that the Steelers have no interest and bringing in anybody from outside the organization to that be is. their starting quarterback of the coming year. That no is. interest in Justin Fields or right. Russell Wilson or Kirk Cousins or anybody. And that there's an internal debate over Kenny Pickett versus Mason Rudolph, which is interesting in that there'd be a debate even on that front. So, so um, they have no interest in winning? Is that So what, I know that would I'm be a way for you to take a look at it. We'll see how Joe takes a look at it. And then in terms of uh, deal or no deal, um, I believe when it comes to wearing um, Air Force Ones uh, after a certain age, Jordans, Jordans after yeah. uh, a certain age, 
Um, as uh, Sebastian Maniscalco posited during our Super Bowl shows, leading to one of the most viral videos that we had coming off of our Super Bowl. Apparently, uh, there's a no deal on that front <laughs> from Joe Manganiello. He's only tweeted me a hand, texted me a handful of times saying I'm coming in hot. Joe's going to bring the heat today, TJ. So, I can't wait. I, I, no, I did. Did you? Uh, yeah. Good to see I, you guys. Oh, man. Jason Feller, Chris hey. Brockman, Jason Feller, hey, and uh, TJ hey, Jefferson hey, here hey, on the program. Hey. Hello, folks. Uh, so I've set the table. Let's eat. Now let's talk. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot you straight. As I always uh, like to say before I shoot you straight, um, there are few topics in sports that are um, – I'll be tedious than complaining about all-star games. Um, that's why the NFL just basically removed the conversation from the table and say, we're not playing. We're just not going to play the Pro Bowl anymore. If you're not going to play defense and you're not going to go all out or at least go all out when the game's on the line to make it of interest, if you're not going to even feign that it means something to you to win this game. We're just not going to play it. And what we're going to do is we'll play flat. We'll put flags on you. If you don't want to hit each other, we'll just put flags on you. And then we'll spend the rest of the weekend playing games. Kids games. Or we're just going to have you do accuracy contests and just specialties and things of that nature. Right. And bring your kids, bring your family. We'll bring ESPN. And uh, we'll bring the Mannings. They'll bring the Mannings, and uh, we'll put it together. That's what the, the NFL just basically waved the white flag and said, we're just done with that conversation. And the NBA, bless them, keeps on doubling down on their All-Star game. The, the ancillary, the All-Star Saturday, has been part of a conversation because how many different ways can you dunk a basketball? <laughs> well, Mac McClung has shown in back-to-back years his ways. There's ways to do Jumping it. Jumping over Shaq. Uh, and then just, there's there's Jalen Brown jumping over somebody half of Shaq's size, sitting down. And then Alec getting an alley-oop. We saw the latest, I think, Celtic turnover between Tatum and, and Jalen uh, Brown. They haven't, they, they, all I'm saying this, Chris, was, after was, seeing the great. NBA slam dunk contest, Celtics got to still work on their turnover problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was well, nice to see Jalen use his left hand. And they're lighting up the floor. <laughs> they turn the floor into an LED. That was cool. Yeah, it, it looked like, you know, anybody who goes to a kid's bowling party, that's what it looked like to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, without the duck pins or the or the railings on the uh, on the gutter lanes. So, you know, they're they're trying. They're trying. And we'll talk about Sabrina Inescu, Inescu versus uh, Steph Curry later on. Because I want to spend a, a significant amount of time on that. But the game itself. Adam Silver, who I adore. I love this man. I absolutely love this guy. I've known him for years. Susie's known him for longer. Couldn't have been happier he took over this league. I just adore him. And he wants this thing to work. He wants it to be old school, right? He wants it to mean something to the players, and then thus it means something to you. Kobe Bryant said before his passing, and then before the league named the NBA, the uh, MVP of this game after him, he said that this game should be like a 
pickup game between the greatest players on planet Earth. What happens when the greatest players on planet Earth suddenly wind up in the same court, wherever it is, in a park, in a city, in a school, wherever, or an NBA arena? What's it look like when you say, who wants to win? Who wants it more between the best players in the league? That's what the all-star game should be. And once upon a time, it did. I mean, Kobe, I will never forget the NBA All-Star game that was part of the, uh, I believe, Last Dance, right? Wasn't it part of the Last Dance? Where he he waved off Carl Malone from the blocks in Madison Square Garden saying, I want it myself. That was one of his first ones. That was right yeah. in, in the late 90s. And it was one of Jordan and the Bulls' final Last Dance All-Star games. And Carl was pissed. Like, who the hell are you to wave me off the block? And by the way, how about an all-star on the block? <laughs> with playing his back to the basket. You know? Posting somebody up. Somebody, yeah, kids. Players used to post each other up. In the all-star, in the all-star game, yeah, right? <laughs> it wasn't all just fast breaks and 70-footers when you're playing two-for-one like Luca did yesterday at the end of the first half, when it was already over. And I I, I don't want to turn on the All-Star game with my kids and hear my 13-year-old have a conversation with his BFF. And I heard from the other room, Cooper's friend Jackson, saying, I don't think these guys are trying very hard. Hmm. It's literally a 13-year-old said it. I don't think they're trying. Yeah. Well, if they can see it, right. imagine what everyone else sees. And then... The winning team scores, let me get this right, 200 million points. It's like a pinball machine. The score you look up, go, how much is that worth? They were talking about it in the first, it was 100 points in the first half. Like, what are we doing? 211 to 186, the final score. You know, it doesn't matter. And these guys are so prideful. What? Why doesn't it matter? They don't want to get hurt, which is part and parcel of this day and age of the NBA and what happened. So, Adam Silver saying over the weekend, Joe Dumars, who's in the uh, league office, they respect him. So they and yep. he's been talking to him. They're gonna play the on old him. old school bad boy guy came up with the Jordan rules. Yep. Well, I guess they didn't listen to Joe at all. <laughs> and after after the game, you gotta laugh here. Adam Silver gave out the trophy and could not have sounded any less excited to do so. And to the Eastern Conference All-Stars, you scored the most points. Well, congratulations. Giannis, to your team, this trophy is yours. Just cool. (laughs) Well, congratulations to us. We've got a new drop. Hit it. Well, congratulations. There it is. <laughs> I think uh, we're going to get use out of that uh, job. What yeah, do you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations. There it is. Just the well. <laughs> and w- what was he really thinking? We know what he really was thinking. What were they really thinking? Guys, really? Is that really, really what you did? You really did that? That's what you did. Hoisting up 70 footers. Really? Is that what we're doing here? Just 
Make me look I like mean, an a-hole. Honestly, I, I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. This is the Players League. Uh, I'm I'm happy to hand off so many decisions and so many sponsors and so much to the players in this league. It is a players league more than maybe every other league combined. And I want this thing to be something competitive and that everybody's talking about, did you see that? Boy, those guys really went at it. And instead, that's what you do. Help me out here. I don't know what you do. Uh, how, how do you run this back? What do you do? How do you not cancel the All-Star game? Well, the reason why they're never going to cancel it, we'll see what the ratings are. They'll never cancel the weekend. They shouldn't do that. And this is a celebration of a sport that so many of us love. But I don't know. You, you, you're never going to put the genie back in the bottle here. This thing's over. Outrageous. I am honestly. Do you have Darko just show up? And... <laughs> this is completely BS. By the way, this is shame. I watched that. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought. By the way, I thought of this drop when I watched Scotty Barnes dribble the ball off his leg in the uh, skills challenge. Skills challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Face of the NBA. Outrageous. These guys try, and they shouldn't be subject to ridicule. But they open the door to themselves. Thirteen-year-old boy sitting there going, "I don't think they're trying very hard." That is not what the NBA All-Star Weekend should be. It's fantastic. Now then, after I said it's a tedious subject matter, I went off on it but for 10 minutes. But it's just uh, it, it's the subject conversation today, and it's hand-wringing. What are you going to do? Just stop. Play pig. Play horse. Do something with these guys. Something. I don't know. Like what? One-on-one? -on -one? The Versus each other? Yeah, a lot of good ideas. The one-on-one -on -one competition. Uh, I mean, uh, whatever it is, I mean, just whatever you can do to just stoke the competition, we want to see it. I mean, I, I said it last week, a two-on-two -two competition. Like, let's get Caitlin Clark and Dame against Sabrina and Steph. Or Just just, just don't have Kenny Smith on the mic for that. That's all I ask. Agree. We'll discuss that later. <laughs> Another guy who I adore. I'm like, what was that? But we'll discuss that later on. Yeah, I think Reggie Miller made that worse than well the two I, of them together. Kenny Smith, it was, I don't just think a, Kenny Smith had bad intentions. This is me personally. I don't think he had bad intentions. We'll discuss that later. Said. We'll discuss that later. We'll have a. We'll have. I promise you, we'll have real estate for that. As a girl dad, I sat there going, "What the hell are these two guys talking about?" So uh, LeBron spoke yesterday as well, and. Um, we're going to talk about all of that with Chris Mannix, who's in our green room, and he showed up looking like, uh, what would he, um, he looked like that Robert Redford gif of him nodding his head on the horse. <laughs> that very, I thought he looked like Brian Dennehy in First Blood. Yeah, he looked very <laughs> manly in this Great sort of, you know, like, it looks like, a, like a Colorado type coat, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think he's wearing the jacket. Ah. So, Chris warm. Mannix is here on the program, uh, our friend from Sports Illustrated in studio. He's also going to Orlando to call a huge fight on DAZN this upcoming weekend. We'll discuss all of that with Chris Mannix right here on this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. Overreaction Monday still to come as well. Don't go anywhere. Chris coming out in person in a moment. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Back here on the Roku channel. <laughs> Chris Mannix is here. Uh, we'll reintroduce when the radio audience returns. We're just uh, comparing new drops. You got the, the one from Dumb and Dumber? So you got that one, uh, fella? You got that one? On? Hey, guys. Oh, big golfs, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, see you later. Okay. Now play, <laughs> now play our new drop. You got that one? Well, congratulations. There you go. <laughs> I mean, they're comparable. That's <laughs> pretty close. Pretty close. Hey. They're both 200, awkward. 200, you scored the most points, huh? <laughs> cool. Well, see you later. That would have made we it even better. We could combine them, too. <laughs> you scored that. the most points. Oh, see you later. Well, see you later. <laughs> it's an all-timer. Uh, and he's such a... I love that man. I love Silver. He is, uh, he's a sweetheart. And he very rarely, so earnest. He, he very rarely says something or, or he always toes the line, right? He never yeah. wants to embarrass anybody. Of course not. But he felt embarrassed in that moment in part because look, there were conversations with the players about this. He felt there was an agreement amongst gentlemen that they would try. And then they go out and do the exact opposite, put up the most points in NBA All-Star history. So I can understand Adam feeling a little bit burned. Certainly since, I mean, the, the, the thing that I think the NBA touts so well is the partnership between management and the players, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, that's what they're like, hey, you know, we're, we're kind of asking you for this one. And 218 points later. And you heard mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards after the game saying, yeah, I was never going to try. Like there's some guys just saying, too. did you hear that too? Did you <laughs> yeah, I'm going to play left-handed and then just not care. Like what? Wow. He made it clear from jump that he like Saturday when he played in the skills competition. We got uh, our radio audience back here together with our Roku audience on the Rich Eisen show radio network. I'm sitting at the Rich Eisen show desk furnished by Grange with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger is the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by Chris Mannix from sports illustrated and zone is here. So what what does the NBA do today? Like, what do you think is happening in the in the league offices as they get back to New York City? I think there's just a lot of venting going on right now. There may be some calls placed between league officials and players association officials about what happened because beyond Adam Silver wanting this to be a competitive game, he felt there was a mutual understanding with the players that they were not going to just turn it into you know, a glorified pickup game that they were going to attempt to play competitively. And that didn't happen. So I think there's probably some phone calls being made as far as fixing it goes. I don't think there is a fix. Rich. There isn't. There isn't because 
the NBA's tried everything over the last decade or so. They have tried mixing rosters up so it's not East versus West. They have tried naming captains and having kind of a snake draft. They have tried financially incentivizing things for win- for the winners. Uh, they've tried everything the, in the book. The fixed score at the, the end of the game to make score, it competitive. The ending, right. uh, all the things, all the tricks they could possibly pull, and nothing has worked. They go back to the traditional format this year, and it's worse than ever before. Now, I've seen some suggestions that because of the proliferation of talent globally, you could do USA versus the world, which on paper makes some sense. But if you watch back that All-Star game, The two most indifferent guys to the outcome were Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic. (laughs) Luka Doncic, who went for a two-for-one by Mm. shooting a 75-footer in the first half, and Nikola Jokic, who looked like he wanted to be anywhere but there for every minute he was in that game. So while I get the theory that USA versus the world could be competitive, I don't believe when you put guys like that out there on the floor it would be. So then also the issue with that would be you'd have to have an equal number of such players voted in. I mean, there's such a conversation about who's snubbed and who isn't and who is a starter and who is not. You'd have to make sure that there is an all-star roster for domestic is, and then international. I think there is, though. I, I think you can, like, look, there would undoubtedly be one or two guys on either side that would ordinarily get in if it was a normal competition. But look, I don't think the players would have a leg to stand on here because the NBA wouldn't be doing this if they put forth more of an effort when the game is actually being played. The NBA wants to see a competitive game, and this might be their last, the last lever that they could pull. But people out there that are, that that believe the NBA should just do away with it. It, It's just, it's not going to happen because when the ratings come out, and these ratings are probably going to be conflated a little bit because they are inflated, I should say, a little bit. Because on Saturday, they said there were 10 million unique viewers that mm-hmm. watched uh, All-Star Saturday night. We're probably going to see a comparable number that watched the All-Star game. But it's still going to be a big number. Bigger than most, if not every, regular season game the NBA has ever played. As long as that many people are watching it, the NBA is never going to do away with it. But what if the conversation is as you know, negative as it is today? I mean, that you don't want to have... Your show. Listen, you don't want to have your showcase All Star Game have an in arena feel to it, like it's a forty point blowout. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to hear just the 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 I guess drumbeat of the music that's being played in the arena over you know a disinterested group of young fans who are trying to see something. You know, like that. It, you feel it through the television set. Look, I agree. Now, look, I think there should be. You know, they should spend the next 11 months figuring out a way to restructure the entire weekend. I mean, one of the things the NBA, one of the things that made Sunday a lot worse was that in most all-star games, it's goofy for three and a half quarters. But most of them, you get a competitive like two or three minute stretch at the end where these guys decide they want to win. You didn't get that on Sunday because it was a 20 point game in the fourth quarter. So they missed out on that. But the entire all-star weekend in my opinion, mm. needs to be completely mothballed and changed entirely. The dunk contest needs to go. I mean, due respect to Mac McClung, he's won two dunk contests and played four NBA games. That should not be who is winning the dunk contest year after year. And if you can't get all-stars to compete, which you can't, I think they need to do away with it and do something else. The skills competition, while a good idea at the beginning, 
has become goofy. Anthony Edwards playing with his left hand entirely made a mockery of it. There's no need to continue on with that. They need to find new new features for this. And I think the Sabrina versus Steph yes. was amazing I was- and is something that can not only be duplicated, but they can build on in the future. Like, look, let's do Sabrina Steph 2 at the WNBA All-Star Game. And then next year, let's say Caitlin Cooper is in the WNBA next year, which mm-hmm. I guess is possible. Um, you put Caitlin Cooper and Sabrina against Steph and Damian Lillard in the Bay Area for All-Star Weekend. Everybody's going to want to watch that because of how Sabrina performed and how great we know Caitlin Cooper is. The, the NBA found something there. They need to find more things like that to make Saturday matter. Well, I mean, you know, Caitlin Clark being as, as dynamite as she is and as a, uh, a, a figure that everybody is so fascinated with and by and the ascension of the women's college world I, I think now adds more of an interest level. And, and as a, a girl dad, and I'll say this, my 10-year-old made her all-star team. She's a, She's got some handle. I've never really said this about, um, you know, my daughter before. But 2034 it's true. Let me tell you, man. Yeah. But no, but uh, we're, we're, my, my, my household is all into this right now. Mm-hmm. And that was the one event of the weekend, entire weekend, that we were in the house saying, when is it on? Mm-hmm was Sabrina versus Steph. And so I'm with you on that. In terms of the game, look, the NFL just said, we're done with this. Mm. We are not playing the game anymore because they did, you know, the, the Pro Bowl used to be one of those games where, and you talk to all the all the guys who played in those Pro Bowls in Hawaii, they did the math in their head about how expensive it was for their family to be over in Hawaii. They did the math between winning and losing the game and the fourth quarter they're like, we're not walking out of here without that winner's check. Mm-hmm. And the game actually broke out in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, most famous, uh, I think, guys, we can all agree, Pro Bowl moment was Sean Taylor blowing somebody up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's the thing that people talk about. But uh, obviously, they would never have played the Pro Bowl in the middle of an NFL season. We're playing this yeah. physical game, or we're saying get more physical with each other in an era of of you know load management and figuring this out and figuring that out. LeBron only played a portion of the game uh, because he's nursing an injury, he's saying. So I don't know what the answer is other than maybe, let me just throw this one at you, and then we can move on to the Mm -hmm. rest of the NBA world here, (laughs) Um, that what about polling players? The league gets together with the Players Association. Who is all-star quality that would be willing to play a competitive basketball game. You know there's a ton of players in that, you know what, level of 20 to 40 in the league who are popular, really, really good, would give their left you-know-what to be an all-star and say, if you make this game, you're playing, and you speak to the teams, you speak to the coaching staffs, they're playing 20, 30 minutes. Like, they're gonna, like this is going to be a real NBA game with a rotation and everything, and you make this commitment that you're going to go all out, and they're, they're, let's put it this way, more willing to listen to somebody like Joe Dumars than the guys who got voted in. What do you think about that idea? I, I don't think it would work. Okay. I just... I don't know. I'm, I'm grasping here. Guy, most because I don't think the player Association would ever go for it. I mean, guys all want to be all-stars. 
in some cases, there are financial incentives to being all-stars uh-huh. um, in their contracts. They're not going to go for a scenario that sees, I'm trying to think of like a sixth or seventh man that would love or, or you know, a, a third or fourth best guy on the roster that, you know, an Austin Reeves being in the all-star game. Like they, these guys want to be all-stars. They just don't want to compete in an all-star game. And getting that to change is a Herculean task that I think is impossible for the NBA to do. One of the problems that that they have is that in the last, let's say, 15 years, the three-point shots undergone an evolution, right? It went from teams shooting 10 to 15 three-point shots per game to 40, 50, sometimes 60 or more yeah. three-point shots per game. That bleeds into the All-Star game. I mean, getting guys to defend post-ups is one thing. Getting them to defend beyond the three-point line in a regular game is hard to do. Getting them to do it in an All-Star game is impossible. So if you're going to have Steph Curry and Damian Lillard and all these great shooters pulling up from 25 feet away, it's impossible to get NBA All-Stars to go out there and defend that at a high level. Which is why I think the three-point contest is the most enduring aspect of the weekend. Three-point contest is great. The new Steph versus Sabrina uh, contest is great. Uh, my recommendation for the NBA for... You know, skills competition, dunk contest, put it on shelf for a while, maybe forever. How about a one-on-one tournament? Like, one thing players love is being known as the best one-on-one player in the league. The NBA is an isolation game, right? They all love to go one-on-one against each other. It is a it's a, it's a badge of honor yes. if you're a great one-on-one player. I think you could lure top-tier guys into a one-on-one tournament. Not all of them. But you could get Kevin Durant in a one-on-one tournament. You can get probably Lillard in a one-on-one tournament. Giannis in a one-on-one tournament. Find a format that works and have these guys play one-on-one and have them crown. You remember the game King of the Court? That was always a game I loved sure. playing growing up. Have the winner crowned the King of the Court. I think that would be a nice addition to next year's game. I mean, didn't Luca hit one off of the the scoreboard hanging over the arena in, in sort of a... Uh, uh, I guess a, a a pig moment in a in a horse moment. Didn't he? Didn't he bounce oh, I, one yeah. and go went into? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Well, but I, I want to see guys compete, and I think going one on one will make them compete, or at least some of them that get into that. They're not. They're not going to want to get embarrassed in a game of one on one. Let's get into LeBron here. Um, I've got Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated here on the Rich Eisen show. So LeBron, uh, I believe, flew in day of game, <laughs> right? And then, um, and then held a press conference. He just basically got it all out of the way in one day. Is what it sounds like. All star day. All star day yeah. for 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 LeBron. Um, he had this to say about his Laker future um, or his end of career path uh, in his press conference. Very happy being a Laker the last six years, and uh, and hopefully it stays that way. Um, but I don't have the I don't have the answer to how long it is or. You know, which uniform I'll be in. Hopefully it is with the Lakers. It's a great organization and so many greats. But but we'll see. I don't know how it's going to end, but it's coming. So you want to interpret that for me? What do you got? Uh, I want to be a Laker if the Lakers do the things that make me happy. What are those? Make the right deals that upgrade the roster around me and Anthony Davis that put us in championship contention every single year. There's no doubt he was disappointed by the Lakers' decision to stand pat at the deadline. This is not a championship team. Uh, It might not even be a team that escapes the play-in. I know they're playing good basketball right now, 
But a lot of that good basketball is predicated on the play of D'Angelo Russell, who has been outstanding for the last couple of months. Can that continue over the next two months and into the playoffs? We've seen a mixed bag of results from D'Angelo Russell in the past. What LeBron is looking for, if you want to fast forward to this offseason, is for the Lakers to go big. The Lakers can trade as many as three first-round picks this summer. They've got some contracts they can move, particularly Russell, Rui Hashimura, movable contracts. They can go out there and get another star. They swung and missed at a guy like DeJounte Murray. They'd like to take a swing at Trey Young, I know, this summer. That, to me, is going to be what LeBron wants to see happen right around draft night. He doesn't have to, he's got an opt-in for that 50-plus million contract for next year. I think LeBron wants to see results before draft night, before making any decisions as to how to opt in. Why wouldn't that be um, something the Lakers would be into as well? I mean, don't you think LeBron finishing with the Lakers and having, even though he says he's 50-50 on a, on a farewell tour, mm. um, you know. I can probably see a farewell tour. <laughs> There's going to be a farewell tour before the farewell tour. Oh, look, it's not Kobe had a farewell tour. I mean, no, look, I well, a lot of guys have farewell so, tours. But what I'm saying is that this dovetails into what the Lakers normally love, which is we are the franchise with all the trophies and the most famous players and the mm-hmm. best players of all time. Certainly, they 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 love a ceremony. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're great at ceremonies. And so why wouldn't they go ahead and do all of what LeBron would want to have? It kind of dovetails in what their their brand is, it doesn't does. it? It does. And look, they made a commitment to Anthony Davis early in the season, giving him a three-year contract extension. So they are pretty locked in on this group. The problem with making a deal in February, because they were limited to one first-round pick they could deal. Yeah. If they were going to make a big swing at, say, someone like DeJounte Murray, they would have had to include Austin Reeves, and they didn't want to do that. Now, with three first-round picks to deal this offseason, they don't have to include an Austin Reeves. So you can have LeBron, Reeves, uh, Anthony Davis, and maybe a Trey Young in that mix, which not only solves the problem of satisfying LeBron now, but it also transitions beyond him. Trey Young's in his 20s. Anthony Davis in his early 30s. Like, whenever LeBron is done, you can still build around, build a championship-level team around Anthony Davis, who's having an outstanding season, and Trey Young, who has been an outstanding player for the last few seasons. So that type of deal makes a lot of sense for L.A. And, and so, again, the, so I guess my question is, is why, why does LeBron need to be cryptic with... With, I didn't, I didn't with, view that as cryptic. I mean, he's been more cryptic, right? Like no, I, I know with the hourglass and everything like yeah. that. I guess cryptic is the wrong word then. But him saying, I don't know. I mean. Well, look, if the Lakers decide. Why, why wouldn't it, that? That's the point. Like, why I, I, I did, with the look, Clippers opening their new arena, why wouldn't they want to just put their marker down and say, this is a Laker town, everybody. Let's forget forget that new and spot I think, down I in think that's what they're Inglewood, going to do. You know? I think that's what I mean, they're going to do. I, look, LeBron's not going to sit there All-Star Weekend and say, I'm a Laker for life. Like, I'm I'm opting into my contract. I'm, like, got it. Somebody already asked him a couple of weeks back if he had any idea what in New York if he knew what he was going to do next summer. He said, no. Look, he's trying to keep his options open, and he's trying sure. to exert maximum effort on the Lakers. If you follow LeBron's career, this is what he has done every step of the way. Cleveland, Miami, Cleveland again, and now in Los Angeles. Used his contract status to exert as much leverage as possible. It's it's a smart move if you want to make sure your team is investing and reinvesting every single year. I'll say one more thing about LeBron, though. Like That farewell tour, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Like This guy is still an all-NBA-level talent, and he still really seems to enjoy the game. He's got two young sons 
that have NBA potential. You know, his his eldest is at USC right now. Bryce is in high school. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. That's just me speculating. For LeBron to kind of sit back and say, you know what? Let's see if Bryce can make the NBA. And let's, you know, wait that out. As long as he's healthy, playing at this level, and enjoying himself, which he seems to be doing, Mm -hmm. there's no reason for him to walk away. So I think we're talking early 40s, maybe even mid 40s before LeBron hangs him up. Like a Tom Brady situation? Why not? If you're still playing at that level and you're still competitive and you're in a city and an organization that you enjoy, why walk away? Especially if you can put even more insane distance between you and the rest of anybody else that would come for his records that he's going to have every record. Uh, And then in his his, uh, all-star day, Mm -hmm. you also stopped by the inside the NBA set um, and, and had this to say about the trade that the Warriors reportedly tried to exact for him at the trade deadline. It didn't go far at all. You know, I actually heard about it when everybody else heard about it. You know, obviously, you know, Charles been in the league, Kenny been in the league, Shaq been in the league, and there's, sometimes there's conversations happen behind closed doors that you don't even know about. And until, I guess, if it's real or not, then they'll bring it to you, but it, it never even got to me. So, you know, I heard it when the reports dropped as well. So what do you make of that that I, I can't imagine he learned of it just I, I can't either I, I don't know from, when rich today. like rich paul calls him like hey guess what guess who i just got a call from look joe he, lacob you yeah. know i mean like <laughs> you know of the well i saw this 415 number so i picked it up you know like really is that the way it went you know lebron has been through his intermediaries he's made it pretty clear he wants to be a laker like didn't want to get traded anywhere before the trade deadline rich paul came out and said that publicly but when this deal was first reported, the prospect of this deal, my first reaction was, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because <laughs> if you're the Lakers, you would probably be able to get your hands on Jonathan Kaminga. And Jonathan Kaminga, to me, looks like a star. Like, in the next couple of years, I think we'll be talking about Jonathan Kaminga as an all-star. So, if you're the Lakers, you get an expiring contract, maybe it's Chris Paul, and you get a young player and possibly another draft pick to start to build your team again around Anthony Davis. And for LeBron, I don't know if LeBron is the penicillin to cure what's wrong with Golden State, but if you have a team with LeBron, Steph, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson, super six-man now, mm-hmm. if you have that type of team, that's pretty. Well, no matter where you finish in the playoff standings, you're going to be a tough team to beat in the playoffs. So when that trade was first floated, it made some sense, but it's pretty clear LeBron doesn't want to leave Los Angeles, at least not right now. Does your reporting um, all confirm or or that that this was Draymond's idea? Like Draymond's like, hey, let's let's lob in a call. I think Joe. Draymond, from from what I've been able to gather, uh, Draymond had like the starter pistol, right? Like it was he was the one that kind of sort of first floated this into the universe, and it kind of you know filtered at, down mm-hmm. through everybody else from there. Look, there were serious discussions from the Golden State side, because look where they are right now. They're sitting there in that play-in mix, and nothing we've seen over the first two-thirds of the season suggests that their defensive problems are going to be resolved, that they're going to be able to find quality scoring when Steph Curry is off the floor. I love what I saw from Klay Thompson coming off the bench. Can oh, yeah. he continue that? I don't know. Let's, let's see it over more than just a couple of games. But... They need an injection of something. And the only player I could see them surrendering Jonathan Kaminga for, because the Warriors do have to start thinking about life beyond Steph, life beyond Draymond, life beyond their big three. 
the only guy I could see them surrendering Kaminga for is LeBron because that would keep that window open two, maybe three more years of potentially winning a championship. Yeah, so that makes sense for the Warriors. Then then why did LeBron say no? Why would he shoot that down unless he wants to go through his farewell tour or stick with the Lakers? That's it's, what I, look, it's, it's, it makes it's, sense. There's, but it, it makes sense for a couple. It makes sense lifestyle-wise for starters, right? right? Like he likes showing up at USC to watch his son sure. play basketball. He likes doing that. Um, his youngest son in high school in the LA area, his family pretty well entrenched in Los Angeles. And going to Los Angeles back in 2018 was as much a personal decision for LeBron as a professional decision. He was doing it in part because he wanted that that lifestyle. He wanted to do things in Hollywood with his entertainment company and all those things. The basketball side of it, though, goes back to what we just said. The Lakers this summer can make a big move. They can build a Warriors-type team or better if they make the right deal. If they get Trey Young, and you're talking Trey Young, AD, and LeBron James, along with Austin Reeves and some other guys they have Mm -hmm. filling out that rotation, probably better than what the Warriors have with Steph and Draymond. Probably. And who knows what happens with Clay at the end of the year. So I I can see it from a personal level why he'd say no. And fast-forwarding to next year, I can see from a professional level why it made sense. Chris Mannix here on the Rich Eisen. So let's take a break. You spent some time with the Bucks this past I did. Week? Okay, and then we'll talk about this fight that you're uh, going to be calling in Orlando on DAZN next, uh, later this week, right? Later this week. This, this week. Oh, fantastic. I've got Chris Mannix here on the Rich Eisen Show. Don't you dare move. That is next. This is the Monday post-All-Star edition of the Rich Eisen Show. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Back here on the show, radio returns in less than two minutes. Chris Maddox and I were having a chat, gents, while we were in commercial break about moving the NBA trade deadline as well. Yeah, I I just thought it was uh, poor planning to have the trade deadline on the Thursday before the Super Bowl because every sports talk show is talking about the Super Bowl. And unless you have a seismic event like we were talking about a Kevin Durant trade while the Super Bowl is in Phoenix... The Super Bowl is always going to consume the news yeah. cycles. My suggestion is to have the trade deadline the Thursday before All-Star because not only do you give it its own news cycle, but by having it on a, a day where there are no games for a week, you eliminate kind of the goofiness that happens after a big trade where some teams are so undermanned they're playing seven or eight guys. Right. You've got guys hurrying to take physicals so they can get uh, back into the rotation. You give your your, your players a full week to get set, 
He had a couple of practices. Mm. I think that will include improve the quality of the play, which I know is something that's on the NBA's radar. Yeah, and and um, all the the shows are already setting up shop in the All Star Town. They can do all their reaction shows yeah. as a pre, as a sort of a promotion for here we are in the NBA city. Yeah, interesting. I mean, the NBA is always. All Star City. Yeah. They're always beholden to the NFL in this sense. Like the fact that the All Star Game takes place two thirds of the way through the season is already ridiculous. You might as well. Well, know. wait till the end. The NFL one day um, adds one more game, and the Super Bowl is I mean, actually already, NBA All Star Weekend. They're already consuming that Christmas, happens. Rich. They're already. Well, I don't think that next year is different because yeah, but not Christmas is in the middle of the week, right? So. But then the year after that, and the year after that. It's not a great yeah Christmas triple header this year. Ah, well, at least it wasn't Mahomes playing. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> or the Ravens versus Niners. Wait a minute. Back here, the, back on the Rich Eisen show. Chris Mannix is here. Meanwhile, like you know, you've got great players playing on Christmas Day in the NFL, and I think the story of the NBA Christmas was how many guys were sitting out with injuries. So <sighs> it's, I know it's not great. So you spent time with the Bucks this week. What is your impression of the Doc Rivers coached? I guess retooled for the lack of better phrase bucks what do you got for me yeah i think of the storylines over this unofficial second half of the season i think milwaukee ranks right up there as the most interesting because this is a team with championship talent right you've got Giannis, you've got lillard you've got some good guys chris middleton when he gets back healthy you've got a big three in milwaukee but for whatever reason it has not worked up until this point they were 30 and 13 under Adrian Griffin, but they fired him because they thought their defense was just not going to get much better. Doc Rivers comes in, and the defense did improve over those 10 games that he coached. They're about 12th in the NBA in defensive efficiency, but they were 3-7, and seven, so the results just weren't there. It's going to be fascinating to see if Giannis and Lillard and Middleton and this group of players can get on the same page because this team has a very tight championship window. What's funny about the All-Star game, Giannis and Damian Lillard were the two oldest players on the Eastern Conference roster. They're older guys in their, in the case of Dame in his early 30s, Giannis in his late 20s, Chris Middleton in his 30s as well. There is a very tight window for this team to win a championship. And if they can't get it together this year, uh, who knows what happens in the offseason. So what is Doc bringing to the equation, do you think? Here? I think Doc is... What he's trying to do, and I had a long conversation with him earlier in the week, is he's trying to simplify things. What he saw from afar was a team that was presenting its players offensively and defensively with too many options. Too many options defensively. Too many schemes defensively. Offensively, not going to their bread and butter enough. One thing Doc said to me was, we need to run a lot of pick and roll for Damon Giannis. We've got one of the best shooters in NBA history. We've got one of the most dynamic players in NBA history. We've got to run pick and roll for them all day long. Their very first practice, all they did was run pick and roll for Damian Lillard and Docs. We've got to get back to that. Defensively, they've got to get back to their defensive identity, which is Giannis and Brooke Lopez protecting the rim and their guards on the perimeter showing more effort, fighting over screens, just being an aggressive team. One thing he said was, look, when you play Denver and you play Miami, they don't try anything special. They're just really good at what they do, and they dare you to be better. He said, we've got to get back to being really good at what we do and daring the teams that we played that beat us. Do you get the sense that they were buying it, what he's selling? I think they're buying it because I do think there was some 
confusion within the locker room about how they were playing, some disagreement between players and the coaching staff about how they were playing. I mean, you know, for a couple of examples, Malik Beasley, who's one of the best shooters in the Mm -hmm. NBA, part of the three-point contest. There were times he was handling the ball a little bit too much. Doc Rivers said to him, said, you know what? You're not a ball handler anymore. You just be you. You be a shooter. Damian Lillard would say he was confused, uh, or at least according to Doc Rivers, would say he was confused about when he was bringing the ball up. He said, look, you're Damian Lillard. You bring the ball up all the time. You're our point guard. You're our star. So it's, it's a word that I heard a lot during my week in Milwaukee. Simplify, simplify, simplify. Just making everything as basic as they can and being the be- very best at it. Is it as simple as this is the Nuggets world anyway, though? I don't know. It might be Boston's world, frankly. I mean, like, mm-hmm. the, look, the Nuggets beat the Celtics in Boston. Mm-hmm. They're the team to beat until yeah. someone knocks them off. Right. Um, I'm just really impressed with Boston's big six. Like, their, their top six guys are elite. The biggest question the Celtics have in the second half is can they keep Chris Porzingis healthy? Like he's had, he's been relatively healthy most of the season, but he's had a variety of different bumps and bruises. He has been a real key to what they've done on both ends of the floor. He's a perfect floor spacer offensively, defensively. He's become a real shot contester at the rim. If he can stay healthy, my prediction is they roll through the Eastern Conference, and then we see what happens, whoever they play in the West. I think the West is going to be a street fight from start to finish. So tell me about your fight that you're calling on... Orlando, Florida, which mm-hmm. is the new home of boxing, for at least for Puerto Rican fighters. Edgar Berlanga, mm-hmm. uh, super middleweight, undefeated. Uh, he's fighting uh, Patrick McGrory. This is a fight... It, the broader picture of this fight is that if Edgar Berlanga looks great... He's got a shot to fight Canelo Alvarez. And everybody in boxing from 160 pounds to 175 pounds wants to fight Canelo Alvarez. Edgar Berlanga has been disappointing over the last couple of years in his fights. He was a guy that had 16 straight first-round knockouts. He hasn't had a knockout since then. He's facing a guy that's going to be right in front of him. If he looks great, he's going to put himself right in the mix to fight Canelo Alvarez as early as May of this year. Mm. So, so what do you? What's your, your? I think he's going to look great. I think he's going to have a big night. He's fighting a a Northern Ireland fighter who's tough, who's going to be there in front of him. But if Edgar Berlanga is on his A game, if he's throwing combinations, if he's letting his hands go, uh, I think he has the he had the ability to have an explosive knockout, and that's going to be big for his career. And that's on DAZN uh, this coming weekend, Saturday night live on DAZN. Yeah. Okay, and you're there. I'll be there. Fantastic. Uh, in the minute I have left, left here, um, so who, who can surprise? Cleveland, Knicks, um, would you call the Clippers a surprise since they've had the best record since December 1st? Um, Clippers that, are really good. They like, are. I, I mean, I, like, I, names of teams you mentioned, Cleveland, I have to see it in the playoffs. I haven't seen, you know, last year was such a disappointment. The mm-hmm. Knicks, so banged up right now, and, and there are still questions about can – Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle as your top two beat an elite team with Giannis and Lillard as their top two with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum as their top two. Don't Everybody's, forget Precious now. Come on. Now. I, look, everybody lo- look, like, I, look I love the deals the Knicks made. Like, they got great depth. They did make some really okay, good Okay, but moves. Tom Thibodeau plays like six guys. So, like, <laughs> what does it matter who seven, eight, nine are sure. you know, on the back yeah. of your bench? So, right. to me, it always comes down to whether Brunson and Randle can be as good in the playoffs as they've been the regular season. The Clippers, though, man... 
they are going to be really tough. Um, like I said, it's Denver's world until somebody knocks them off. But Paul jo- Kawhi Leonard's playing like an MVP. Paul George is an all-star. Zubac, when he's in there, is a terrific big man. They- Russell Westbrook has bought in. James Harden has bought in. They are playing with the kind of chemistry we haven't seen the Clippers play with in a long time. They're playing with the kind of health that we haven't seen the Clippers play with in a long time. If they are healthy going into the playoffs, your best bet is probably a Nuggets-Clippers final uh, in, in the postseason. Mm-hmm. There you go there, TJ. There's your Clipper update for you. Yeah, from your lips to God's ears. There you go. Great conference finals matchup. And the minute I have left, Doc said that a couple other teams reached out to him. To- he said that. I, I don't. He said that at the press conference, too, when he got – I, 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 I don't know what that was. I don't know what that was. Who would be reaching out to him and say, why don't you drop the mic? And uh, he said the Bucks well, were the only one that caused him to drop one the of mic. The, like, I, I saw all the like, – the, Outrage over Doc Rivers. How you know? How we left ESPN. ESPN was shocked that Doc Rivers left. He was interviewing for other jobs before he took the ESPN job. Doc Rivers went from the Celtics, where he was traded, remember, to the Clippers. This like a minute and a half after he got fired by the Clippers, he was on a plane to Philadelphia. The idea that Doc Rivers was not going to be back in coaching in two years. If you believe that in the ESPN. Upper ranks. I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you because Doc Rivers is a coach first and foremost, and was always going to get back into coaching. I I I wasn't surprised to hear at all that he was taking this Bucks job. (laughs) But some people apparently were. I I I never got. Do you want to coach Lillard and Giannis, Doc, and get back coaching? Honestly, yes. If it wasn't, he he probably only would have jumped now for that job. But. If like the Detroit Pistons job came open next summer, I think he probably would have taken that too. Like he's a coach. He <laughs> loves Maddox. to coach. Chris, thanks for coming on here. You got it. Check him out on the zone this coming weekend. And of course, Sports Illustrated, hour two coming up. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? <laughs> In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What Women Binge, wherever you listen.